Welcome to the PreparedX podcast, your complete source for crisis, emergency, business continuity and security preparedness interviews, news, and much more. Now, your host, he creates chaos for a living, Rob Burton. Hello, and welcome to episode 86 of the PreparedX podcast. I um, can't believe uh, we've been doing this now for many, many years, and we've only got 86, but you know, a lot of content there. So uh, check out the podcast if you can via our website or any of the outlets. Um, thanks for joining us again. Um, I'm Rob Burton, the host. Um, if you don't know me, um, check out uh, my profile as well on the website. Uh, uh, but this episode is brought to you by First Look, which is PreparedX's self-guided simulation exercise service that allows you to deliver a simulation exercise that is designed by our team of exercise specialists. So you can check that out at preparedx.com slash first look. And uh, let me know if you've got any questions about that, uh, that service and product. Um, it's uh, certainly a good uh, good one for you to, te- to check out. And um, we look forward to hearing from you about that if you're interested in the service. Well, today I'm joined by Tobias Watson, who is an exercise planner at uh, it's a constant associates. Um, welcome, Tobias. Hey there, Rob. Thank you. It's great to be here. Great. And uh, just before we get started, um, we'd love to let the audience know, uh, for those that don't know you, Tobias, a little bit about yourself and your career so far, please. Yeah, definitely. So I got my first uh, entry into emergency disaster response via fire and EMS. And I started on the volunteer fire squad in Oklahoma with my dad and brother and got my EMT training. And then I went up to college in Nebraska for international rescue and relief. And I worked on the ambulance through college um, and then into my first career job, which I landed as an emergency manager for a hospital system Uh in Lincoln, Nebraska. And, you know, I was the, uh, kind of the sole person for that EM program for the hospital system. That's where I got my start into the emergency management field uh, and really found out my passion was on the training exercise side of uh, that field. Um, and yeah, so it's after that, I did that for about four years and then moved on to Constant Associates here in Oregon, where I'm working as an exercise planner on a FEMA contract to help with a big earthquake exercise out here. Oh, nice. Yeah, I think I've heard about that one um, through a number of uh, uh, LinkedIn uh, contacts that we have. I think we're actually going to be providing some uh, for some organizations, some videos. So that's an uh, interesting connection there. I love it. Yeah. <laughs> um, OK, I'll just start off by talking about how some organizations have really let their guard down during the pandemic. I'm not sure what your experience is, Tobias. Um and, you know, what we've found is that, you know, a number of our customers uh, come back to us and a number of new clients have come back to us in this kind of recovery period or whatever period you want to call this with the ongoing, um, you know, uh, COVID situation. Um, and what they said is that, you know, the, the COVID's presented a number of opportunities for them, of course, uh, finding gaps uh, through their processes and planning and, you know, response capabilities. Um, but also it's, you know, raised some other concerns about uh, threats that maybe they should have been looking at, you know, throughout that, you know, period, which, you know, of course, now is coming up to probably, you know, a year and uh, a year and a half almost. Uh, what's your experience with that? Oh, man. Coming from the hospital environment, I mean, COVID hit the hospitals very hard. And so to, to walk into you know, your leadership and say, hey, we need to do an exercise, not the brightest moment of their day, I'm, I'm willing to bet. <laughs> <laughs> right, yeah. 
Um, yeah, so it, it hit everyone. And, and the goal I found was people, people are, you know, stressed, they're overworked right now, they're, they're just feeling drained. And so to put a giant exercise on someone's plate wasn't the smart move to do, uh, which is why I like to focus on small, small exercises and drills, tabletops, yep. things that aren't resource heavy, but really still get you into the discussion and the this tactical skill level of responding. Yeah. Uh, yeah, excellent point there. Yeah, I think what we've seen is a, a reduction in the length of the exercises that we've been running in the last, you know, um, six months um, as organizations that, you know, are starting to, you know, realize that they still have to have, you know, awareness for other potential threats and prepare for those other threats. Um, so, yeah, so I think we're seeing uh, the same thing. That's um, that's good to hear. Okay, then. So when planning exercises, uh, why is it important to get buy-in from leadership before embarking on an exercise program journey? Uh, you know, in our experience, you know, it it's often works better when you've got that buy-in from the very top. Yeah, if you want any kind of successful exercise program, you need leadership buy-in. And, and more than buy-in, I would really say they need to be champion, champion, champions of that exercise program. And they need to be the voice pushing it forward as the expectation for all of their staff and leaders to participate in that. Right. Otherwise, you're just a lone voice trying to, to get people to, to play. Right. Um, and I know you have a good amount of, uh, as you mentioned earlier, healthcare sector experience. Can you speak uh, for a few minutes about uh, what your experience is or you know, was as it relates to the sector uh, and exercising? Yeah. So, I mean, obviously on the EMS side, it's, it's like fire and, and police and military. You do numerous drills and, and practice sessions for all these skills that you need to know. And, and that kind of gets lost in the rest of the world. Uh, we think very strategically and we don't, we don't focus, tend to focus on making sure our staff know their, their tactical side, like the back of their hand. Um, and so on the healthcare side, when I got into the hospital, one of the first things I did in my job is I, I did personal risk assessments, hazard vulnerability assessments with my staff. I walked around to the different departments and the frontline staff and just did one-on-one -on -one interviews with them very quickly. You know, what's, what are the biggest things that you need to be uh, see as the gaps in the program and you want to work on? What is it you don't know? What is it you want to know more of? Right. And hands down, everyone said they wanted to practice more. Mm. They said, we have enough plans, but we're not practicing enough. And people would say, you know, sometimes they're like, I don't know what to do. Right. And the difference with exercising the healthcare environment is you don't get to stop your operations. In a corporate environment, you know, if, if you miss a meeting or you don't get an email sent, it's not the end of the world. In the healthcare environment, you can't just stop taking care of a patient. Right. You, you can't say, hold on, we're shutting down the ER for a second. Um, hang tight. We'll be back in 30 minutes. <laughs> right. yeah. um, and, you know, sometimes it feels like that in, in the healthcare environment where you're just told to sit and wait, but the staff are running around the clock, taking care of people who have more serious injuries or illnesses. And so I can't do an exercise in the hospital and say, OK, we're going to shut down half the department. So that's where exercising really becomes difficult is you have to work around the real world environment while running a simulated exercise side by side. Right. I suppose it's a resource challenge as well. Even if you had 
you know, because sh- you know, the next shift is coming in and it's a 12 hour turnaround or whatever, whatever the shifts might be. Mm-hmm. So you can't, you literally can't take those people that are off and resting, right? Take them away somewhere and do an exercise because they're off and resting and they have to be on the night shift or, or whatever it may be. So I'm yeah. sure you know, that's, you know, a challenge as well, because you know, it's, not, it's not like, you know, the, the military where we have, you know, we have those additional resources backed up and backed up where we can keep practicing. So that you know, makes sense. Mm-hmm. Um, I'd love to hear your thoughts. Um, we we do these from time to time. These no notice exercises. I'm sure you're, you're very familiar with them. Um, you know they um, they they come along typically um, in more you know mid to advanced range exercise programs where organizations uh, you know feel comfortable and they've been doing them for a little while. We certainly don't see them. Um, in a new program or, you know, if a new plan has been developed and, you know, and being validated or it's an organization that's doing, you know, crisis management, emergency management for the first time, um, you know, but what are your thoughts on uh, no notice exercises? Uh, frankly, I found them very beneficial. So I focused my efforts on low to no notice exercises, uh, especially in my emergency departments where I was struggling for time resources and so I focused this on the mass casualty response. You know, that was one of the biggest focus areas for emergency department was taking in a lot of victims from an, an event. And uh, I performed this in, in a couple of different ways, but really the main thing I would do is I would give them a heads up. Hey, these coming months or weeks, we're going to be working on X, uh, X exercises. And, you know, here's the parameters for this. And so we would plan this out with their leadership and some of the key staff and make sure that the parameters were very tight. So the exercise wouldn't be leaving the emergency department. The exercise wouldn't involve, um, you know, necessarily real patients. We were focusing on the operational coordination and the response, not the medical skills. Uh, they had their medical skills down. We were really working on how do we organize multiple victims. And, and so I'd give them a time frame. Here's, you know, the weeks or months I'm, I'm looking at coming out. And leadership was totally on board with this. And I would walk into the ER and say, hey, uh, to the head nurse, uh, I'm going to need, we're going to start doing an exercise and I'm going to need a handful of staff. Doesn't have to be your whole department. Doesn't have to be half your department. But whoever you're going to be able to spare, you have five minutes to get taken care of what you need to. Now, if there was a real emergency or we had some major traumas, I wasn't going to interrupt that. Right. But once there was a moment, I would say, okay, you have five minutes. To, to get ready, I'll come back, we'll walk through the scenario, and then you're going to, to, to organize this response based on your protocols and based on the resources you have available. And it was very beneficial for the staff because, you know, one thing I heard is like, I had to rely on my staff, I had to rely on my knowledge. I wasn't just picking up a book and reading beforehand to memorize it and then almost forget it, you know? And so I found that as long as I made the exercises time efficient, the no notice and low notice was not a problem. Uh, I was flexible. It wasn't like I walked in and said, we're doing this right now, but within a very quick scope of time. And here's, here's the really validation of the no notice exercises. They have to think on their feet like they normally would. They don't, you don't simulate a long study time to prep up for this. They have to think quickly. And we saw this validated. Uh, I did a, a series of eight uh, low to no notice exercises, drills in the emergency department in preparation for a full scale exercise. And in that exercise, 
we were going to have all the victims from the event split up between the three different hospitals. Well, two out of the three hospitals victims showed up at my one trauma center. And so we doubled the volume of patients that we were expecting to get from this simulated event. And my staff, because they had been practicing these no-nose, low-nose exercises a number of times, it didn't phase them. Right. That no-notice increase didn't bother them. They were maybe like, okay, we just do this. Yep. And they walked on to the next step. And it was wonderful to see. It was wonderful for them to experience that because they had practiced this quick thinking without all that prep work and that, that pre-studying, they yep. just knew what to do because they had been practicing it. And that's why I think um, multiple, numerous exercises in a low, short notice really benefit your staff. But again, you can't just step out into a new plan and say, okay, do it. There has to be a process and training beforehand. Sure. Yeah, I really like that um, that approach. And once they've done one or two, they, you know, they, they, you know, they, they kind of almost, you know, when they see your face come around the corner, they're almost expecting it, right? But, but they're not afraid at that point. I think you're right. When you build up to any type of exercise, even if it's a tabletop, um, you know, you, you have that pre-read that comes out in one of the formats. Um, you know, folks are asked to, you know, the, the put the calendars, put the dates in the calendar. Um, you know, they're asked to kind of, you know, brush up on, on their, you know, what their role is. Um, and there's that anticipation, uh, which for some people doesn't work as well as actually, you know, giving them something and asking them to, you know, react, um, you know, quickly. Um, what were those, just out of interest, uh, were there, those no-notice exercise, how long did you run those for? Were they, were they a couple of hours? Were they 90 minutes? What, what were your time frame on some of those? Yeah, um, and this was very important for me to make sure I wasn't impeding patient care. They were 30 minutes max. Uh, oh, nice. Yeah. I, I didn't care where they were. The goal was just to get numerous practice sessions in on responding to and coordinating a mass casualty. And so at 30 minutes, we were done. And for the staff to know that they didn't have to go on an extended exercise yeah. made them more, more willing to go, okay, yeah, this patient's stable enough. I can take off 15 to 30 minutes and, and participate. It made them people much more able to, to play. Uh, and and have that valuable experience right i love that great well i appreciate you providing uh, the information on that i thought it's going to be really valuable for our listeners so um thanks um what's the longest um you know exercise or exercises that you've been involved in uh from the very start to finish i know you you know you're, you're planning one at the moment it sounds like a, a big um you know fema level exercise for, for the government there um you know uh, you know, all the way from the start of planning through to post-exercise activities um, and, uh, you know, all those great uh, AARs that, um, you know, you have to go, <laughs> they love going through, like like we do too. But, uh, you know, what's the, what's the longest one you've been involved with? Um, yeah, besides the one I'm in the middle of, so I can't accurately give a timeline of that, I'd say nine to 12 months. They were both two full-scale exercises. One was a mass casualty airport exercise. Uh, with you know all the response agencies and hospitals involved, uh, numerous law enforcement, and we we started planning that out nine to twelve months ahead of time, and then Vigilant Guard, which was a a multi-state exercise with the National Guard of Nebraska, and unfortunately that got canceled due to COVID. But we were still in the same kind of timeline, probably about twelve months out of planning all that by the time it got to my local level. So yeah, it's a good amount of time. Yeah, I think. Um, 
you know, as, as you know, we do a lot of corporate exercises. Um, we don't do much on the government side. And uh, yeah, I think uh, full-scale exercise uh, planning we did uh, included about, you know, 100 people throughout the whole organization from the operations through to um, literally we had reports going back to the board. Um, I think that was a that was a six to seven month, you know, planning from, from start to finish. So, uh, yeah. but, uh, but, you know, again, you know, it's interesting because, um, you know, tremendous amount gained from full scale. Of course, you don't want to be you know, overdoing the full scale ones. Right. Um, you know, we you know, we like to say, you know, again, some organizations are regulated uh, depending on the industry to do mm-hmm. them. I, I know, you know, in the environmental space, you know, there's certainly requirements to do them every five years. Um, and I'm sure there are other sectors as well that uh, they're required to do full scales. Uh, full-scale exercises, um, you know, every certain amount of years. So you certainly don't want to be overdoing it. So all these shorter exercises in between, as you mentioned, the no-notice, the, the tabletops all build up, all build up to that. But there's certainly you know, great advantages of uh, running those full-scale exercises. Yeah, no, there's an advantage to them. I don't think there's too much emphasis put on them, uh, I, because if you only focus on the large ones every year or every couple of years. By the time you get to them, people have forgotten what they need to do. It's those in-between ones that build up activity that you're doing that really make the difference. Yeah, yeah, couldn't agree more. Um, So what's the one piece of advice that you would give uh, to someone who's been given the responsibility of planning exercises, but, you know, is starting off from the ground up in terms of not having much or or no experience? Well, this was uh, kind of really reminiscent of within a month or two of starting my emergency management job at the hospital, even though I had experience with, with different exercises, I had never been the sole responsible party for them until this point. And my leadership said, by the way, for regulations, we need a full scale exercise and we need that in like three months. And I said, excuse me. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And luckily that didn't have to happen. But what I didn't know then and that I know now is keep it simple. You know, you can still have any almost any level of exercise and keep it simple. You don't need to have numerous objectives and a mile-long uh, event list of things to accomplish. Keep it simple. If you've been tasked with an exercise, figure out what the core capabilities are that you need to test. What is it you, the leadership and you and the hospital or organization really need out of that exercise and limit it to that. Keep your scope small and simple because even the smallest thing, you can expand so quickly to get so in depth into it. And one small problem can lead to you know, a whole new plan or hours and days and months of discussion. Sure. So keep it simple. And because people are going to remember only a handful of things that they go through. Right. And if you only give them a handful of things, they'll remember those. Yep. Yeah, that's, a, that's great advice. It really is. Um, and um, so as we start to um, wrap up here, <clears throat> um, what, in your opinion, does the future hold um, for exercises in terms of the preparedness exercise world? What's, uh, what's the future hold, in your opinion? What the future holds and what I would like to hold, it might be two different things. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, I, I think we've seen a worldwide kind of light bulb come on where we need to be better prepared. And that doesn't mean having plans that you say you're going to reference because all in all, as we've seen with COVID across the world, people did not reference their plans. Mm-hmm. They, they created new things. Um, 
And while some things were still in line with the plans, much of it was not. And so what I would like to see the future hold for us is the, the shift um, from focusing on these individual large-scale events to building up to them. Uh-huh. Let's, let's practice those appropriately. We see the building block approach uh, image from FEMA where for each level of exercise and training event, you build up in complexity and resources. And so the highest complexity, highest resources and best capability building is you know, the full scale exercise in that image. And visually it puts all the focus on the image. But if we shift the mindset to a pyramid style shape where the top block is a full scale exercise, yes, that's kind of where we, that's where we want to get to because that's going to be the most representative of a real event. We realize that more focus has to be put on to get there. More focus has to be put on to the smaller exercises, the trainings, the tabletops, the functionals, the drills, the games, because you practice that more frequently. And if we can get to a point where we're practicing more and more, the the emergency response field, emergency management field and and corporations and businesses will start looking more like the efficiency and effectiveness of of first responders because they are practicing those skills all the time. And if you're practicing them all the time, the big response isn't a disaster for you. It's an emergency. It's something you can handle. And you're working with others to do that. Wonderful. That's that's uh, great advice. Uh, yeah, I, you know, couldn't couldn't agree more uh, with that. Those those building blocks. Um, you know that term you use there. Um, uh, well, this has been this has just been great conversation. Uh, I knew it would be. Um, uh, you know, your your scenario Sunday. So that those of you uh, that are listening. Um, Tobias's scenario Sundays on uh, obviously on Sundays on um, LinkedIn and I'm sure the other outlets um, that he's on as well. So uh, you know you should check those out. Um, but uh, any final comments uh, for our listeners, Tobias as well? Obviously, how can they get a hold of you via LinkedIn and uh, other other locations? Yeah, um, LinkedIn is probably the best way to get a hold of me. Uh, send me a message. Um, connect with me. Follow me. Um, I love to talk and learn. I'm very active on there. And I think the last the last comment I, I see with, with EMs or aspiring EMs when they talk about trying to get exercise experience is they keep waiting to be invited. And, and frankly, you need to create your own opportunities. Mm-hmm. And, and that's where the scenario Sunday comes in is, is there are opportunities to engage in discussion and in planning. But we have people all around us and organizations all around us that need our help and they don't know to ask. They don't know who to ask. So if you want that experience to design an exercise, start off small and invite yourself to someone's table and say, hey, I can help you with something. And and that way it's it's a pretty risk-free, low-stress environment that doesn't have national attention on you. And I think that's where... If we can get more people to do that, we're going to get more experience in the field and organizations that are more aware of what they need to be doing. Great way to end. So, uh, again, thank you for your time uh, today, uh, Tobias. Um, We'll continue this discussion on LinkedIn, and hopefully we'll have you back on the show again soon. So, again, uh, thanks, thanks for your time. I appreciate it, Rob. It's great to be here. No problem. Well, that wraps up uh, Episode 86 of the Prepared X podcast series. 
uh, please rate us on iTunes or uh, make a comment or any of the other outlets where you might be listening to this podcast. We'd love to hear from you. Uh, thanks for joining us again today. And we look forward to uh, hearing from you and seeing you again on the next podcast. Take care.